Welcome back to the Warehouse Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eli. And this is going to serve as our postseason preview episode. We uh, we talked about it as a crew before. Should it, is it a regular season review? No, we're saving that for another time because Jesse wants to preview the postseason. Yeah, right, that's what exactly. I was going to say. <laughs> we didn't really talk about it as a crew, right? Yeah, I wrote an outline true. that had right. a season review on it. And Jesse said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Now is not the time for that. So our season is not over. You know, I've well, been panic about that. Over. That's true, but you know, you don't have a you know you don't have a regular season review and then a postseason review. You know, you have a entire season review. You know, that's how I view it. So I was very much <laughs> looking forward to laughing at how wrong all of our predictions about how good the Orioles were going to be was. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I was like listening to our preseason preview. And I was just laughing. I was objectively laughing. I mean, some of it was really, really, truly awful. Um, some of it was right, but we'll get, I guess we'll get to that later. We'll get. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get to that in like November. Uh, yeah, I hope. You know, far, far down the line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when it hits November, we'll definitely circle back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we're celebrating an Orioles World Series victory, um, fingers crossed. But, but then we'll have to do the World Series review. Well, yeah, we'll, that's true. Or does that's, that get lumped well, in with the season review? I don't know. Yeah, we'll review the World Series. Yeah, we'll do mini episodes every single right. inning. We'll do an inning review. <laughs> <laughs> it really needs to be like that. It's no, that no. serious, Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. Um, but yeah, so this will be a postseason review ep- or preview episode here in just a second. <laughs> um, before we get into that, we, of course, want to talk. We want to wrap up the, the regular season a little bit. Because there were a couple of news bits that came in between our last episode and this episode, some you know somber, some happy. So let's get into that first. So the first one is is a super somber uh, news note, and that was that uh, legendary third baseman, Orioles uh, Hall of Famer, Ma- Major League Baseball Hall of Famer, uh, Brooks Robinson passed away at the age of eighty six last week. Um, you know, this was something that I think hit Baltimore in particular, but I think the sports world at large everybody had something nice to say about Brooks Robinson shared their stories about Brooks Robinson, Rich Eisen, who's got a show on, on the Roku channel and Sirius XM weird setup for Rich Eisen nowadays. But uh, he had something I saw pop up on Twitter. Um, you, you just saw the the obituaries and the nice words pour in Tim Kirkchen had a really nice thing. Um, so, you know, sad news uh, about Brooks Robinson passing away. And I kind of want to just, you know, get our thoughts there. Obviously, we're all saddened by it. You never want to lose anybody, but particularly someone that meant so much to so many. Um, but if you guys had anything in particular, memories or thoughts on Brooks, obviously, all of us are far younger than the era that Brooks played in. But I think he still had an impact on our baseball lives anyway, because of how he touched probably our parents' uh, lives when they were younger watching baseball growing up. But did either of you want to share anything about Brooks before we, you know, move on to baseball specific or on field stuff, but I wanted to give the space here. If you guys had anything to say. Well, I think like the real credit to him is even in his years long after playing, he definitely stayed involved in the Orioles community much more. um, Well, of course, you know, we have Boog Powell who obviously is very involved and, and Palmer who's very involved for obvious reasons. Um, But a lot of the Oriole legends, you know, move on and go live their life and 
maybe come back once in a while or whatever. And Brooks, you know, I feel like was really committed and um, he would make public appearances at Camden Yards. He would be around, you know. So, um, I mean, I think that I think that's really significant um, because, right, you do mean so much. I mean, uh, you know. When you're an athlete in a city, you know, you mean so much to the city and you're such you're so idolized and it's it's really important, you know, for you to sort of um, I, I think that it's important and sort of significant for, you know, people to sort of um, reciprocate, I guess, the love that they receive on the field um, a lot of the time. Um, granted, you know, of course, during the time, I'm sure there was criticism and negative stuff as well. But like overall, like, you know, the Oriole fans love uh, the players and stuff like that. So um, it's yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the thing that stands out to me. Um, I don't think I. Uh, yeah, I don't think I ever got the chance to personally talk to him or anything like that or but I have I think I was present sort of while he was speaking one time. Um, but I can't remember the occasion or anything like that. But um yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, obviously he's he's legendary uh, in Baltimore. Um, you talk to a bunch of, of course, like particularly older Oriole fans. Right. You know, his name is still well and alive throughout the city, you know, um, in a way that, you know, some of the other even great Oriole players aren't, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's uh, it seems like, you know, he was a you know, a pretty great person, um, an incredible person and, uh, you know, really committed to the city and, and the fan base and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it, it is sad. And I think that was reflected, of course, in the obituaries that you talked about, but also just, you know, Baltimore fans' reactions to to the news, you know, because you could tell people were affected by it. Yeah, absolutely. Eli, anything else to share? Yeah, um, I, I did get to meet him. I actually got to receive an award from him. Uh, when I was a junior, I played on what is called the Maryland Futures team. And we went and played in a tournament and I happened to do well. Uh, so I got this MVP award from it. And I got to go to this like preseason banquet with all the preseason All-State people. And it was kind of amusing because, you know, it's like tons and tons of these D1 commits who are six foot four and 215 and as seniors in high school and I definitely like I was good at baseball I was not that good at baseball um so you know I had not yet figured out where I was going to go play or anything and I wasn't actually on the preseason all-state team I was like the only person in the entire building who was not on the preseason all-state team uh but I was there for this award so sure enough Brooks is the one giving it to me um and you know he hands it to me and he's like do you know where you're going to college and I said Honestly, sir, I have no idea. And he said, ah, it's not that important anyway. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, just in this like super, uh, I don't know, like highly competitive setting, you know, where everyone is kind of flaunting their stuff and getting, you know, recognized in all of these different ways. Um, you know, he just kind of helped me personally, like feel less self-conscious in that moment. Um, you know, and he shook my hand and took you know a full minute or so to talk to me just some random kids so definitely just you know had this extremely innate like 
gentleness and, you know, warmth to him uh, in a way that, you know, you, you don't expect to get from a public figure, not because, you know, they don't have it within them, just because, you know, you don't, ex you, you can't expect somebody to be that kind of nice to random people walking up to them. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I, I thought I, I'm grateful to have had that. Um, but I also just want to mention, like, hearing, you know, Jim Palmer kind of break down on the broadcast as well. Um, you know, just kind of hearing the pain in his voice. I, I think, like, I mean, I think this for all of the announcers, but, you know, like, the way that we have been able to kind of, I don't know, it, it feels like we've gotten to know them personally throughout this year and everything. Um, but I just really appreciated having that human moment from Palmer. Um and yeah, you, you know, it's sad. And like Jesse said, Baltimore's grieving. Um, the Orioles and a bunch of other people put some beautiful flowers down by his number five statue and by the statue in the stadium as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, honoring him properly. Yeah, they had a memorial uh, at the stadium today. Uh, we're recording this on October 2nd, Monday, October 2nd. Um, yeah, I never got a chance to meet him personally. I, I do know he was you know, everybody's favorite player from, I think like our parents' generation. Um, my dad, my dad had passed away earlier this year. Um, he was my dad's favorite player. Like my dad, I can't say my dad knew a whole lot about baseball. He was definitely more of like a football guy first. He's got all these stories about Baltimore Colts, this and that. And, and obviously once the Ravens were here, but he loved Brooks, like for whatever reason, like Brooks stuck in his brain, we would make it a point to like go to games that, you know, they'd have like special pregame celebrations of whatever, occasionally promotional things. If there was a thing where Brooks was involved, my dad would want to go to it. Um, like we went to celebration of, I think the 66 world series team, I don't know, maybe a decade or so ago. And we went, Brooks was part of that. That was really cool. But yeah, I mean, I think just the thing about Brooks is like, there was never ever like a, a bad word said about him publicly. And I, you just never heard anything bad about him. He was a kind of a throwback guy. Obviously he guy from Arkansas got taken or signed to the Orioles organization, came up with the team, stayed here the whole time. And then he lived in Maryland for his post-playing career too. And players sometimes still do that, but a lot of times they don't, you know, they're from other places. They want to go back. They make enough money to have an apartment here, a house there. Um, and it just wasn't like that in that era. And he just really endeared himself. Uh, and yeah, he was just a real affable guy, it seems. And that kind of speaks to your character. And then obviously on the field, he was dynamite too. I mean, people will argue who the best third baseman is of all time. You know, Phillies fans have their answer, I'm sure. Uh, but in Baltimore, it's always going to be Brooks Robinson. So yeah, I mean, really sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go ahead, Eli. Real quick, no Philly has ever reeled off 16 <laughs> consecutive gold gloves. That's all I'm going to say. That's fair. That's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, but a sad day in uh, in Baltimore there, but hopefully the Orioles can kind of keep this magical season going, win one with uh, that number five patch on their arm they're going to wear for the rest of the postseason, and that would be a pretty cool little uh, memory of him as we as we go through the through October here. I mean, this is, I mean, the timing in particular is also really unfortunate, you know. I mean, yeah. how significant is, you know, obviously baseball is very significant to him, et cetera, you know. So, you know, he's been watching this team struggle. And then, you know, right before we entered the playoffs and potentially won a World Series, he wasn't 
isn't going to be able to see it. So, I mean, I'm yeah. also aware of that, you know. Well, and yeah, and Brandon Hyde did kind of talk about that in a post game saying like, you know, he he came down and talked to the team last year. He knew all the players. He watched all the games like he's still a guy that is intimately familiar with the team and the day to day, which I think not all post like not all players post career are. I mean, granted, not all players stick with one team their entire career. But, you know, uh, it's it's baseball's a grind, even if you're a baseball you know, that was your profession. It's not always something people pay attention to once they're done playing, but Brooks was, and yeah, that that's, that's true. That is a, a bummer of it. But if you believe in any sort of post life, uh, whatever, we're not going to get into those conversations, you know, energies or whatever there may be vibes. Yeah. yeah whatever you, right. your spirituality may be, maybe there's some of that going on. I don't know. That's for you to determine. Uh, not for me, but moving on to, things that happened on the field. The Orioles did finish up the regular season. And in doing so, they captured the number one seed in the American league. They won the AL East finished with 101 wins. And now they get a buy in the first round of the playoffs and will take on the winner of the Rays Ranger series, which is the number four, five seed matchup. Baseball does not reseed or, or, you know, I don't even know what the term is, I guess reseed, but, you don't just play the lowest of whoever's remaining if you're the one seed, which that's what every other sport does, I think, except baseball. Um, but they will play the winner of the four five. And then at the other side, it's going to be the Astros that uh, won the AL West. They get a buy as well. They'll play the winner of the Twins Blue Jays series. Um, so I don't know. I mean, kind of amazing. Like I, I we're going to do a regular season review eventually. Je- Jesse will let us know when that day is that we can do a regular season review. <laughs> But for now, now I do just kind of want to talk to you guys about how you how you felt this last week of the season. I mean, not necessarily the quality of the play, but just the fact that the Orioles did actually win the division. They crossed that hundred win threshold, which doesn't really matter, but it does feel kind of good to get a hundred wins. Like it's just a nice number that the Orioles haven't, I think, ever reached in any of our lifetime, which is pretty neat. Um, So, Eli, I don't know how are you just feeling about the fact that it became official. The Orioles got to like the promised land a little bit there. No, it was amazing. Um, I, yeah, you know, like you said, it's something that's never happened in our lifetimes. And I just like, I I don't know. I was up there on Wednesday night. I flew up from Florida and we had seen the Ravens lose to the Colts on Sunday, which was just ridiculous. And I like sat out in the rain for it all day. And then I went to see the Phillies and the Pirates and the Phillies clinched on Tuesday night while I was there. And I was they like, all man, over. it'd be pretty cool to see the Orioles do this. And then I go ahead and Wednesday night, you know, I just felt like it was going to set itself up for this trip that I was on. Um, and I was just so excited. I, I don't, and you know, it didn't happen, but played a super clean game, got to see Grayson pitch and just like, I don't know. There was an electricity in the crowd. You know, it wasn't even sold out that day, but it just like vibes were really good. People were cheering. People were loud. And, you know, until they were all hung over for the second game of the Red Sox series, like, you know, the team really did seem like energetic. They seemed lively. They were on the top step all the time. And, you you know, just like it felt like, everyone was coming together for this moment in a really, really unique and cool way um, that obviously we haven't seen in a long time, like since probably 2012. So, I, well, 
I'm sorry, not 2012, since 2014. But yeah, it just like, I, I don't know. It's just special. And, and it's cool to be able to see it. You know, it's cool to, I was sitting there watching the last game and I was like, I'm not going to tweet anything. I'm just going to sit here and watch and they, you know, get no hit for six innings. And I'm like, I don't even care. It doesn't it, matter. You know, nothing, nothing can hurt me now. I'm like, I'm so solid. I'm so good. I'm so excited for what's coming that I will sit here and watch us lose horribly. And <laughs> I'm just going to love every second of it. So, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Definitely. We've got good things coming. I, I think that even if we go out in the first round, like, I guess technically second round. You, I'm not going to be like happy about it, of course. Yeah. But I, I like, I, I'll still look back on the season, like super, super favorably. I will, you know, have good memories from it, and I, I'll like walk into 2024 with a lot of confidence. You know, I think that this team still is set up to be extremely good for years to come. You know, we've just started seeing what Kerstad can do. We have seen holiday tear through four levels of the minor leagues this year. There's just like, there's so much good happening. You, you know, the entire triple a team just won the national championship. Like yeah. not only do we have the best team in the American league, you take one step down, we have the best team there as well. So it's just like, yeah. I don't know that, you know, there's just not enough that can be said about the way that we're put together. Um, I'm just, yeah, it, it's exciting. Yeah, we're in the uh, we're in the afterglow right now, like the honeymoon phase for this team. (laughs) Because you're right, like they could they could flame out of the playoffs, and you would be disappointed. But because they have been so bad for so long until last year, you can kind of whatever we get is is icing on the top. That's that's for sure. That's a better Um, way to say it. Yeah, Jess, how how have you been feeling with this this uh, outcome? The Orioles winning the division. Maybe there's more ahead of us, but just the fact we actually did it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's so hard because things have shifted so quickly. You know, it's like I feel like Oriole fans haven't necessarily developed that full hunger to win the World Series that like Braves fans probably feel right now, Um, you know, just because. uh, Right. We're so caught off guard, you know, by where we're at at the current moment that contemplating the world series has not even been brewing for a long time right so it's like this sudden possibility we've been hit with and oh yeah let's try to do that you know yeah so um yeah i mean i do uh obviously i mean i really do feel like this has been sort of a miraculous sort of season um i mean it's it's pretty incredible um we probably knew that, you know, maybe not this, but something like this would happen in the near future. Um, but, you know, we hadn't thought it would happen at this mo- moment, at this point, um, especially after, you know, seemingly almost nothing had been done to sort of uh, make this happen. Uh, you know, there have been some minor moves, uh, seemingly, that turned into big moves and, um, a lot of a lot of guys really overperformed this year from my expectations, um, you know, that, you know, that these are sort of the ingredients that make it feel sort of miraculous because, I mean, 100 wins is is no joke. Um, this isn't in a, a 90 win team or an 88 win team sneaking into the playoffs. Um, of course, things can change when the playoffs start and it's, it's not the same thing as the regular season, 
Um, but we are like the best team in the American League, you know, uh, record wise. Um, so um, it's it's right for an Orioles fan. I feel like it's pretty hard to sort of uh, fully <laughs> uh embrace that uh you know that sort of thinking so um yeah i mean and and it's it's hard to sort of uh you know the orioles at a certain point like down the stretch looked like they had been jeopardizing the hundred wins um we had lost a few games and we're struggling and um but uh i think i think the big thing to me uh that really uh stands out is uh is sort of the the resilience of the team um not having gotten swept all year we had that crucial series against tampa and we lost the first two games uh just a few weeks ago and then we bounced back and won the second two um we didn't fold and let them storm and take the division so um yeah i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of really incredible uh things to say about it let alone the 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 individual uh performers that really um stepped up and um were were sh- shocking to me so um yeah. yeah so but uh yeah no i mean it's been it's been a great season and uh yeah i mean the yeah so yeah yeah it has been it's and i think your point you made earlier about how they didn't really do much in the off season to get us to this point. I think they did things that they felt maybe made them an 85 to 90 win team, but I don't think right. they, and not that those moves did make them a hundred win team, but they certainly moved them in that direction. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do this winter. Now that we are a hundred win team, you know, you don't necessarily come into next year saying, okay, we need to be a 110 win team, but we need to be like a 95 to a hundred win team again. Like that's kind of the expectation for 2024 now too. But Absolutely. Yeah, it's been an, an incredible summer. And, you know, th- they started getting a, a couple players, which I'm sure we'll talk about either today or throughout the postseason, started getting hot at the end of the season that we're going to really need to lean on in October to maybe push this team into that World Series conversation that even though the Orioles were a contender all summer long, I felt like it, it seemed the way they were talked about was like sort of as a secondary team like yeah they'll make it they'll you know they'll they'll be in the mix but they're not a contender for an actual world series i think we've they've turned that on its head a little bit this last month i think besides the padres the orioles had the best record in all of baseball in september like that's not an accident um they were they were hot at the right time and uh i think that as as good as the vibes are just from them exceeding expectations um there's sort of that next level that they can jump to so we'll see if they can do it in the next couple weeks there but yeah obviously an amazing season all around um let's talk about something else that happened on the day the Orioles clinched in like the third inning of the game I think it was a big message came up on the board the Masson broadcast acknowledged it they were showing Governor Wes Moore and Orioles control person and I guess that's his title John Angelos (laughs) clapping and whooping it up that the Orioles and the state of Maryland had signed a new lease agreement that keeps them in Baltimore at Camden Yards for the next 30 years. Kevin Brown, I think, also explained on the broadcast that it included two additional extensions that added five years more each to make it potentially a 40-year agreement. This is something that's been talked about all season long. Uh, I think John Angelos had said back in spring training, he wanted to have something done by the all-star break. Well, that was in July. That didn't happen. 
Um, but the fact that it happened at all, it it, it was it, it was amazing that it was it happened after all this time. The Orioles were going to clinch the division, get a new deal signed on the same day. What a magical moment in Baltimore. Then news comes out the following day that no agreement has been signed or no no lease has been signed, but instead it's been quote unquote a memoranda of understanding that essentially says both sides want the Orioles to stay at Camden Yards and they want them to stay for those 30 years, but they need a little more time to figure it out, essentially. And this memoranda of understanding makes it sound like there's probably going to be an extension of a year or two put in here before the end of the year that will give them the time they want and need to continue talking about the thing they've been talking about for already a year or two. Um, Eli, I think you seem at a loss here. Maybe not. Maybe you're not at a loss. What do you want to say about this whole situation? I I don't know. It's just like, what are we doing here? (laughs) You you know, just what are we doing? It's it's so crazy. And I don't know. You take a step back from it and it's like, I don't know. It's John Angelos wants to get in on the exciting moment that the Orioles are having. And he knows he's not going to have a lease. So it's like, let's sign this meaningless document just to like put forth that, hey, I'm here too. Look at me. Woohoo. Put me up on the big screen, you know? <laughs> and that that's really what it felt like. And it's, I don't know, it's infuriating because now in this moment, all it does is detract from the very real excitement of that night. You, you know, it's like, we're going to look back. It's like, God. You remember when the Orioles clinched the AL East and, and their hundredth win on the same night? How amazing was that? And then some, you know, like that one friend you don't really want at the party is going to shout over. It's like, oh yeah, and they put that thing up on the, you know, the, on the <laughs> scoreboard. And the th- it's like that's what it's going to be for the rest of time. It's going to be this little like black mark on this beautiful Picasso of a night. So it's really, uh, I don't know, it's super well, unfortunate. And it's and, it's constantly Angelos like underestimating or like I, I don't even know what the word is but like basically acting like the fan base is stupid like right. did, he, did he not think that the journalists weren't going to immediately be like okay well like let's see the the document like let's read through <laughs> right. it right. Oh, okay this isn't what you said it was and we're just going to tell people that it's not what you said it was like and what it's, it's amusing to me how you know the Orioles front office is so tight-lipped when it comes to trades and when it comes to all this stuff but as soon as Kevin Brown gets suspended, as soon as this lease, you know, it's like that those people are not loyal to John Angelus. They're loyal to Mike Elias. They're loyal yeah. to, you know, like the, well, what the, the team is building. Yeah. The baseball ops people are hush right. hush, but <laughs> right. the, the, the business people are an open book, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I but it, you know, it's just hilarious. Like, and I don't know, all, all you can do is, like laugh and shake your head because and and, you know this is what angelus knows is you know even if we figure out that kevin brown was suspended under these ridiculous pretenses even if we figure out that they lied it's like he owns the team we've got absolutely no power against him unless we don't want to go watch the team you know unless we're not spending money and i I don't know that that's a tough thing to ask for a lot of people it's a tough thing to ask for me you know i like i we're not doing that Right, my whole family just got tickets to ALDS game one and two. I'm flying up from Florida with my girlfriend to go do it. So, you know, it's like, right. Yeah, we're committed to it. 
and he knows that we are and he knows that because they're good he can just screw around to do whatever he wants and it's gonna be fine which, it which is, fine. is like it's like the classic like we live in a society meme though like you you kind of you you hate capitalism yet you participate in cat you know that kind of thing like right. you, have, you <laughs> right. have to you you can't right. not you know but it doesn't mean you're happy about it in the process right. of doing you know what i mean so yeah yeah just yeah i mean i think if the if we are looking for any positives or any significance with this i mean i think now sort of that this has been announced right i think it's harder for not that it was difficult from the beginning, right? But it's going to be, it's even more firmer of sort of a commitment that this will happen. Um, so, you know, now that the public was sort of made aware of it, um, even though, you know, there was deception involved, et cetera, um, this is now the expectation of the public, right? So um, I think, you know, especially you could think about it in particular from Wes Moore's perspective, like he's not going to want to jeopardize this. Right. Um, and so um, even if Angelos doesn't care about the public and public perception and all that, right. There are politicians involved who absolutely do. So, um, and Wes Moore was trying to take credit for it by being there and sort of being a part of it. Um, and uh, yeah. so, for them to like you know a couple years down the line to go back on that or for something not to have been worked out or something uh even though the public is you know uh, at least a lot of them are aware of it right now um for some down the line like you know even if the political repercussions of that would be small they might be existent and enough of a headache where he you know he wouldn't want to have to deal with it so yeah i mean it's i mean Wes Moore's angle on it is kind of he just got elected like he I mean he's not right. going anyway even if he wants to be president in four years which or five years which he probably does like that's down the line Wes like let's you could have put the pressure on Angelos he's the one in the hot seat right now to get the deal done but yep. that's yep. besides the point um the other thing I wanted to mention on it because I saw it kind of like get some traction on Twitter when this all was going on was this portion of the agreement that had become public that explained that the Orioles have the right to get naming rights for the stadium. Um, it, the language of it, I can read the language of it. It says the Orioles will have the right to name the ballpark and any portion of the ballpark provided that no such name can be obscene in violation of applicable law, antithetical to the character of the ballpark as a prominent symbol of the state of Maryland or a name that contains racial epithets, obscenities, or signage displaying products or messages of a sexual nature. So that kind of got people's hairs up because it's Oriole Park in Camden Yards. There's no corporate sponsorship there. It's one of just a handful in baseball that doesn't have that along with like Wrigley Field, Fenway Park, you know, and it's it's a really cool thing. I think that they don't have that. People got kind of worried about that. However, some other reporters explained that this has been basically part of the agreement since 2001. This is the orders have had this right for 20 years to do this. Um, they haven't done it to this point. Doesn't mean they can't do it. And there were reports back in the spring that the Orioles were shopping naming rights for the field. So I wouldn't put anything past Angelos, but this agreement and potentially the lease to come doesn't necessarily change that. I just I hadn't seen as many people 
talk about the follow-up to this initial report as the initial report. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there that yes, it could be, uh, you know, pick your least favorite corporate name at Camden Yards, but hopefully it, it doesn't necessarily change the that based on this agreement, I guess. What's your proposition for the worst name, the worst corporation that like not just oh. a bad company, but like what could be a terrible, terrible name? Oh, I don't know. I mean, what the White Sox have right now is pretty bad. That's what I was going to say. U.S. Cellular Rate Field definitely takes the cake right now. It's Guaranteed Rate Field, isn't it? Isn't it Guaranteed oh, that's Rate? Right. It's that no, mortgage that... company. Yeah, there was there was another one that was cellular. Maybe that was the White they, Sox they, before Guaranteed The White Sox field. were U.S. Cellular Field. That's what it was. Okay. I think that the, the yeah. Miami Marlins Lone Depot Park sucks too. <laughs> um, oh, the I think the. The Brewers Stadium now is something weird, isn't it? Oh. It was it was like, you know, it was Mil- just Miller Park. Miller Park, which is a corporate thing, but Brewers, right. Miller Park, it was like that's perfect. But right. now it's yeah, it's, it, it's sort of like the Tropicana field, like right, Tropicana yeah. isn't great, but it's Florida and oranges yeah. and you know, <laughs> so I get I could tolerate Tropicana. Well, that's yeah, so would you do like Old Bay? park right. at ken yards or like well, under Arm- people say under armor all the time i got news for you under armor stock ain't so hot so i don't expect <laughs> that to happen mccormick is probably more likely than under armor but well hmm. I, not yeah i mean i definitely <laughs> wanted to stay oreo park yeah. at camden yards i mean as much as you know i'm critical of tradition a lot of the time and stuff like that i mean in some situations especially with baseball and with the name of our field i wanted to stay camden yards and um you know i was very much against a lot of these you know that have a lot of these rule changes in baseball uh but you know that have proven to be in some situations useful and and benefits to the game and stuff like that um but uh yeah i definitely wanted to stay camden yards yeah that's what we all want it's just like right. you know but you do see the writing on the wall a little bit they've had more of the sponsorships on the baselines geico is all on the baselines they with the patch where or the spot on the jersey where brooks's patches right now there's speculation that that's been kept blank to put a sponsor on there in the near future like it's coming um i don't love it i get that that's the way the game's going look at look at soccer jerseys you know they're right that's totally. what, exactly what I was thinking of, or NASCAR or something like that. Oh yeah, NASCAR is another level. That's <laughs> that's crazy. I, but yeah, I you're mean, right. Yeah, I mean, NASCAR is such like an irrelevant and you know bad sport that it doesn't really you know count. <laughs> uh, it, it's more egregious, sort of, in soccer, even though it's more limited because it's such a a worldwide treasure, you know, among the world yeah. population. So, right, right. Um, but yeah, so just that there, you know, we'll, we'll keep talking about it as it comes up. I, it, it did sound like they plan on still getting something official done before the end of the year, which is when the end of like literally the end of the calendar year, which is when the lease expires. But for now, this was essentially just a PR stunt, which is disappointing and, uh, uh foolish on their part to even think it would work, honestly, but it is what it, it, is. it worked for about 12 hours. I was very excited for 12 hours and then I woke (laughs) up and (laughs) came back to reality. Yeah. Unreal. Um, All right. After the season ended, uh, 
Michael Elias held a press conference, a real quick one. It was like seven minutes long, uh, just to announce that Felix Bautista is going to undergo Tommy John surgery. They're not sure of the exact date just yet. It's either going to be uh, this this week or next. Basically, we knew he had a tear in the UCL. And, you know, it sounded like they didn't think he'd do any more damage to it uh, to pitch. There's no evidence that he did do any more damage, but he tried to go through some workouts, throw some bullpens through like a simulated game situation at Oreo Park a couple days ago. Doesn't sound like his body bounced back right. He didn't feel right. So the Orioles made the decision to shut him down. This is going to cost him the entire 2024 season, but it sounds like he should be good to go for the start of 2025. Uh, In conjunction with that, the Orioles did sign him to an extension that is good through 2025. So you won't hear anything about him avoiding arbitration this year or next because that's not going to be a problem. The Orioles already have that sewn up. They did something similar with uh, John Means when he had his Tommy John surgery as well. But I think this kind of shifts to two different directions right now. So one... Jesse, maybe I'll ask you about this first. It's just about the future of Felix Bautista, the pitcher. Uh, Tommy John surgery, not uncommon in baseball nowadays. He is a guy that throws much harder than the average pitcher does. But do you have any concerns about Felix Bautista's future um, being as dominant, throwing as hard as he can, as he has uh, following uh, Tommy John surgery once he's back in 2025? Sure. I mean, I think there's enough uncertainty uncertainty around any sort of procedure like this, surgery like this, um, that you never know. Uh, but with that said, um, I, I'm more confident in him than I would be, I think, in, in most situations. Um, first off, he's uh, he's not old. Um, so I think that's like working in his benefit. He'll still be, uh, I think under the age of 30 when he returns for sure. So, um, he was 27 this year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's not an old guy. Um, and I think even if, uh, when he comes back, they're going to be some, you know, there might be some mild growing pains or him getting a feel for his pitches and stuff like that. But, I think long term, this probably isn't going to be uh, a surgery that is going to be destabilizing um, like throughout his career. Who knows? It might even add a couple, ye- you know, a year or two on to the end of his career because he's not pitching and not using his arm um, over the next, you know, not putting the same wear and tear on it that he would normally. Um, so hopefully uh, things work out. Uh, like in the long run for him, uh, I have I have confidence uh, that that things will go well. Um, I mean, he also just like you know he has the the splitter that is just uh, un- unbelievable. Um, so I think that uh, yeah, I mean I feel confident that he'll like return. It might it, unfortunately it's going to be a long time. And unfortunately, we're going to miss him in the playoffs. And it's really too bad for him because, you know, he was such a big part of the team this year and played such an instrumental and crucial role for us, um, being that lockdown ninth inning guy for us. But um, but long term, yeah, I I mean, we'll we'll know more, you know, like, let's revisit this conversation in a year, year and a half and sort of reassess and see where we're at. But um, yeah. overall, right now, like, no, I don't have any reason to be 
like worried about his long-term health um, more than any average uncertainty around a, a surgery. Yeah. Eli, I mean, you're kind of the pitching guy. Any thoughts uh, or on that? Yeah. I, I, I think Jess got like halfway to this point, but you mentioned his splitter <laughs> and like j- just the fact that, you know, he is not solely reliant on his fastball. I mean, his fastball is one of the best in the game and, you know, it, if things don't work out as well as you would hope that they do, you know, there's a chance he comes back, has lost a couple miles an hour. He's 95 to 97. But if he's 95 to 97 with good spin at the top of the zone and he simultaneously keeps that splitter, you know, and he can mix in a slider every once in a while, he's still going to be a good pitcher, you know? And I think that he has that going for him. He also, like Jesse said, a year, a year and a half. I mean, you know, from now to March is about six months. So if he's getting the surgery in October, he has almost a full year and a half to rehab. That is, you know, less than what John Means took. And that was including Means' scapula injury and all that stuff. So, you know, the Orioles are definitely putting him in a position where he has time and will be able to, you know, accept and like, uh, you know, take whatever setbacks come and will still have the time to work through them and set himself up, you know, to be fully healthy coming into 2025. And I, I like that, you know, they're getting this done at the beginning of the off season. You know, they accepted it wasn't going to happen for this playoffs, get the surgery done, tell him he's out next year, which, you know, for somebody who throws as hard as him, I don't think there's really any way to like, convince a ligament to heal and you know ramp up to 102 miles an hour over the span of a year i just don't think that happens so he's got this extra time i think that time will be good for him and yeah we'll we'll see him back in 2025 yeah absolutely i mean look tommy john surgery it's unfortunately common nowadays we've seen pitchers get it at least they get it the one time they typically come back and they're all right it's when you get when you have to get it a second time that starts to get a little bit more dicey but Look, I mean, it's as as worrisome as any other player. He's a reliever who was a little bit of a late bloomer. There's sort of all that variable to worry about as well. So, of course, this could go all wrong. I think the fact that the Orioles are giving him the extension through 2025 shows that they believe we can get him healthy, get him back, and get him back to the exact type of pitcher he is by the time his age 30 season rolls around, which is what 2025 will be. This was his age 28. Next year will be his age 29 season. And then 2025 is his age 30. Still plenty young enough to be an effective uh, hard-throwing relief pitcher. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, But, yeah, as it stands, I've got no concerns about his long-term future. I think I am a little worried about the Orioles' bullpen in the short term. And even in 2024, I think we have to start kind of worrying about that. I mean, that's not a problem for us to figure out this week, but the Orioles definitely need to solve something for uh, the postseason. They were able to paper it together in September because he did go down in late uh, August and they were, they were largely okay in September, uh, but they did manage to kind of get by without really striking people out, which probably isn't going to fly in October. They didn't really have an established closer necessarily. Not, is that going to fly in October? I don't know. Eli, I mean, how are you feeling about, this bullpen now that we we know there is no Felix Bautista coming to save the day. It's a funny way to say that. Um, yeah, I, I I don't feel so bad about it. I, I mean, by a measure of ERA, which is obviously not perfect, the Orioles were actually like 
one hundredth of a run per nine innings better without Felix than they were with. And that is not me trying to say that the Orioles are a better bullpen without Felix Bautista. That's obviously ludicrous. But, you know, I think that a lot of guys did step up. I think that D.L. Hall, the way that he has come on since his promotion, has been absolutely phenomenal. C.N.L. Perez finished up the year extremely strong. You know, I think we did see Cano starting to waver, but he did start to pick it back up a little bit at the end of the year. Um, You know, that's another guy. He had like 72 appearances this year, pitched in almost half of our games. As somebody you definitely expect to see some fatigue. And I think that, you know, this month or month, this week off could be really, really, really good for our bullpen. Um, So, you know, I don't think that, I don't think that we are necessarily like the dominant force that we were with Felix, but that said, I don't think that the bullpen is really a weakness of ours. I think, you know, as far as the 12 playoff teams go, I think we're probably still in the top five or six bullpens uh, that are like still active in the playoffs. Fair enough. Jess, how are you feeling about the bullpen right now? Um, yeah, I, I would say I'm a little more alarmed, I think, than Eli is by the loss. Um, I think it's I, I, I think it is huge and I think it is serious for the bullpen to sort of be doing this. Um, I mean, just first of all, Felix was the closer. There was no sort of dispute about that. And right. We've sort of been doing this closer by committee sort of situation. Um, most of the time it has been Cano. And Cano is, I think, in large part because of the fatigue that Eli mentioned, is not the lockdown closer um, that that Bautista was by any stretch. And um, and and also, especially down the stretch, uh, even even if he would get the save, would it felt like there were runners on base, and it was always sort of dicey, right? Um, so. Um, I think that that sort of is that is a big deal. And in the playoffs, some of these things might go slightly differently. Um, Yeah. And I I think it is now a big question for Hyde. Are we going to just right? Are we going to do closer by committee? Is it going to be Cano in the playoffs all the time? Right. And then if it is, if it is Cano and let's say game one of the ALDS, he blows the game, for instance, now does Hyde have hesitation going back to him, right? All these sorts of questions start to emerge. And um so I, I, I do think when it when it was when it was Bautista, of course, there wasn't any question. If Bautista blows the first two games uh in the ALDS, we're coming back to him in game three. Um so yeah, you know, and then is there going to be variation if it if it's a bunch of lefties coming up? Are we going to go to Perez uh, in instead or something like that? Right. So, I, I think uh, it gets trickier for Hyde, and I think uh, for the bullpen as a whole. Um, right, we have had DL Hall, who's been very effective, you know, for the Orioles uh, while he's been up um, and everything like that, but. I still do worry about, especially in playoff time, uh, especially if uh, the starters don't hold their nerves or have to be pulled out early or, you know, Kramer just goes five or, uh, you know, any sort of situation like this, that the bullpen gets stretched and and we're 
we're sort of uh, jeopardizing our chances a little bit. So I, I do think it is it is a big deal. He's not going to be with us. And uh, I, I'm definitely a lot less confident about our postseason. I mean, granted, if I were to put it on a scale, you know, the amount of percent we lost uh, is is minuscule, you know, uh, but right. overall, uh, you know, if we had a nine percent chance, you know, before it's, you know, just a couple percentage or whatever below now. But um, yeah. but still, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the biggest guys I think we could have lost. So, yeah, I mean, you're not going to replace the best closer in baseball. Nobody could do. I mean, bullpens are volatile as it is. There's only so many sure things. And Bautista was one of the very few ones in all of baseball as far as bullpens are concerned. So, yeah, it's going to hurt for sure. Um, it, I'm. I'm glad if it had to happen, it happened in late August and we had a month to kind of try things out, which I think they, they did in September. I think it felt like at the end of the month there, they started to kind of sort out what the plan is going to be. I don't think there's going to be an established closer. It's going to be matchups. It's going to be, and that's kind of what playoff baseball is anyway. I, even if Felix Patisa was on this team, I don't know that you say Felix, you're going to pitch the ninth regardless. I think you say Felix, the two, three, four guys are coming up in a one run game in the eighth inning. You're going to pitch the eighth inning. You know what I mean? Like, I fully agree. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was going to be my only counterpoint was like, I, I think that, you know, us having to spend the time to figure out how to play those matchups and figuring out like what situations we like deploying the relievers we have in has, you know, almost set us up well for heading into the next couple of weeks. Sure. I mean, that that point is correct, right? Like maybe you bring Felix in the eighth, but the, the point, what I'm trying to say is like, he's going to, get the the biggest inning or the toughest yeah. inning you know whatever's yeah. most difficult right like he's gonna be that's his task or he might even throw two innings right throw the eighth and the ninth in certain situations so sure. or get a four out save or something so yeah for sure i mean it's and look the the postseason is just a different beast altogether when it comes to bullpens in particular like i think that you see managers kind of diverge from what they've done in the regular season, just because like every out is worth so much more in October than it is April through September. So yeah, it's going to be a bit of a crapshoot. I, I don't think I could tell you right now who Brandon Hyde is thinking is like the guy. I mean, I, I have an idea. I, I wrote about it on Kim to chat a couple of weeks ago, who I think like could be the X factor, which I think this kind of rolls us into sort of this last topic bucket we sort of have, which is just kind of like general questions we've got, uh, for the postseason, and I guess like the first one, since we're kind of talking about it already, is sort of who is that guy in the bullpen that if you know it's some dire situation where it's you know maybe bases loaded with two outs, you need a strikeout, or or even like maybe less uh, serious than that, but you just need to get an out. Like you can't be giving up base hits, you can't be giving up base runners. Like who are you going to? Um, I sort of have my idea, but, but Jesse, I don't know. Do you have an idea of, of who right now is like the guy that Brandon Hyde would point to in a, in a dire situation? Yeah. Well, I mean, if we're taking Cano out of it, um, not, nece- think, not necessarily. Yeah. Why, why would we take yeah. Cano? Out oh, of well, okay. So I mean, <laughs> we I, just pick a random picture. Yeah, okay, you okay. Well, I, just because <laughs> if we're mainly thinking about him as a closer, I, I we would just said we're not no. doing that. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. Well, so <laughs> Jesse I, just I, blacked I'm, out for the last I, five minutes. No, no, no. I didn't. <laughs> Seriously. I didn't. What is happening here? <laughs> that, 
I guess I would say Cano. I mean, I think it depends a little bit on the matchup. If it's a lefty, well, yeah, righty that's fair. Right. You you can stipulate that way. That's so. Fair. Yeah, I mean, I would say him or or probably DL Hall if it's a lefty. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I like I mean, Hall's. Hall's my guy right now. I think like hmm. no, that's the issue with this bullpen is. Well, I will say this: Tyler Wells being back changes things a little bit. That's that is, a, yeah. It, it's just a it's just a huge question mark for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I mean I think that, and granted, you know, yesterday seeing him walk like three people in a row was not great. But seeing yeah. Perez gave up like one earned run over his last like twenty six appearances, and yeah. seeing him come in against the Astros and strike out Jordan Alvarez on three pitches, I mean like he you know he's got this insane stuff, and he touched ninety nine in that at bat you know, and clearly like is able to take it to that next level. Um, the command is obviously an issue, but I, I think that, I think he's probably my guy right now. And I'm just fascinated that we have three different answers here. Yeah, I, my, I, I like it, but. My issue with Perez is not that he gives up hits, but he gives up so much contact. Like right. the ball's right. always in he, play. Right. And he that does just not like, strike enough people out. That right. worries me in the right. postseason. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think if you like, put your best defense out there you know it's like Westberg at second it's Gunner at third Mateo at short probably yeah you know you could do that for the last three outs of a game if that's necessary or whatever yeah if you've got a lead but for sure for sure but I mean the the guy that will get you a strikeout that is definitely like an issue for this bullpen there's yeah it's really like Hall or Fujinami and Fujinami could just easily like beat the guy (laughs) in the head so (laughs) <laughs> like that's not what you want in that situation either. Absolutely. So it's a tough, it's a tough situation. Y- for these yeah. Guys. And we sort of got Fujinami hoping that he would be the answer to the question. Exactly. You just yeah. asked and he's not. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, half the time he is half the time. he's not. <laughs> so right. Half the time. There's not a hitter on earth. who could touch him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, he yeah. throws the ball hard, man. He right. throws the ball real hard, but he either he goes in and either throws it right down the middle, which even you know you throw it hard, that's good, or he just totally misses the strike zone altogether, which is not going to work. But yeah, I I think that though, like you know, looking at what you know, Jesse said Cano, I said Perez, you said Hall, and well, then... I said Hall if it's a lefty, but okay, sure, go ahead. Thank you. So. Um, you know, so then there is Tyler Wells as the X factor. There is, um, like Danny Coulomb, who was amazing at the beginning of the year. Another guy who has used a ton throughout the season. There's Jacob Webb who, you know, came over and was godlike and that we used him every game. So that could have been a fatigue factor too. You know, that there are a lot of like, I think very, very credible options. And I think there are reasons to believe that this week off is going to be good for those players. Yeah, And I think there's a lot of reason to have confidence in the idea that if we are in a situation, but I, I don't know, Jesse said, if Dean Kramer goes five innings, like if Dean Kramer goes five innings, you know, there's a good, chance actually. we have. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll take him no, going five innings. I mean, then there's, you know, there's either one game the next day or an off day the next day. So yeah. like in the playoffs, that's not the worst thing ever. And you can roll four guys out there and you can play the matchups and you can, kind of have your way with it. And I think that we are setting up well to 
to be in a position to do that, you know? And I think it's also interesting that we do have three lefties in the pen. Like that's kind of unusual and it's not something you see often, but I think that's going to play to our advantage. And both of both of them, all three of them are particularly effective against lefties, like particularly cool um, and Hall, uh, Mm -hmm. just because their breaking pitches are so good. So you're muted, Jesse. I said, well, if you you mentioned them, I mean, if we get the Astros and Jordan Alvarez, you know, we're gonna need an an answer for that. Well, so, even yeah, more immediate, sure. even more immediately, though, the Rangers, Seager, Se- Seager right. switch, right. he's lefty, right? No, so, he's a lefty. He's a lefty. lefty. So yeah, that's I, another problem. Yeah, we've got a question on here. Who would you rather play? And I was gonna say, I would yeah, probably rather play the Rangers, but Corey Seager terrifies me. Okay, I that's mean, interesting. He, yeah. he was like almost objectively like the most productive hitter in the world. Yeah. He just didn't play that much. He was absolutely incredible this year. Well, the the entire top half of the Rangers lineup is is scary. Yeah. Yeah, Seager hit 327, 390, 623 slugging for a 1013 OPS. Yeah, he's pretty good. Only 477 <laughs> at bats. He hit 33 bombs, put up on the seven war, according to baseball reference. So why it's the Rangers like... signed him to that massive contract. <laughs> right. yeah. No, I, I mean, and you look at what he did with the Dodgers in the World Series a couple of years ago. You know, it's like he's not new to the postseason and he's definitely not afraid of it. So he individually, I think more than like any player until we get to the NL scares me. Even more than Jordan? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I know Jordan had, you know, went to sleep at certain moments in the playoffs last year offensively, but yeah. woke up when he needed to, I guess. It's true. It's true. Yeah. No, it's well, it's I mean, let's talk about that though. Who'd you rather play? I, I you're we're just talking about the division series, so it's going to be either sure. the Rays or the Rangers. Yeah. Um, oh. I I have it. Easy answer yeah, to that. Go. I want the I want the Rangers. I mean, I I think uh I don't think it's really a question. I mean, first of all, like, well, <laughs> at, at least to me, in my mind, it's not really a question. Yeah. The Rangers have been struggling the second half of this year so much. Um, Like down the stretch, they really almost jeopardized, like even making the playoffs um, when they really should have had this pretty comfortably um, all along. So there's that. Um, There's also just uh, the Rays are such a, I mean, they've been they haven't won the World Series with this Kevin Cash crew and everything like that, but they have been uh, sort of pushing themselves into the playoffs and it feels like they are due for a World Series at some point in the next few years. Um, So they're just I mean, they're they're an excellent team. The offense is excellent, is well-rounded. It's a very balanced team. Um, and these guys have tremendous, like a lot of playoff experience. I mean, Randy Rosarena, of course, is sort of the the most notable guy that does well in the spotlight, right? Um, but the entire the entire team, I think, is just like a force uh, to be reckoned with. And I think, uh, I mean, I think Kevin Cash generally is like a very good manager. He knows what he's doing when it comes to the playoffs. Um, and yeah, I feel like oh, the pulled Blake Snow. I know. I you pulled Blake Snow. I know. That's all I'm I, saying. I know. I know. But um, that World Series like didn't count though. That was like, not <laughs> World Series. Let's be yeah. honest. Dodger fans know. But, it. 
yeah yeah that's yeah yeah i mean i agree um but yeah so i yeah i mean uh that's a whole different thing yeah but um yeah but overall i mean i i think the rays are no joke i mean this is the this is the rangers first time in the playoffs in a long time um like yes their offense is good but the pitching is is not really that good um it's yeah. very it's it's a lot i mean their starting rotation is very average i mean i could see martin perez scares me a little bit no. um but he's been terrible no he's been bad <laughs> no, that, he's... that is that so, is a take that's outdated hold on. by two years no hold on <laughs> So Here we go. first of all, I think things change when it gets to the playoffs, right? So even though he's been bad, I I think like I could see him having a putting together a good performance in the playoffs. So I want Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle hitting every at bat off Martin Perez. Okay, throw that little cutter and, inside sure. and let them eat. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Anyway, anyway. So but, no, but in all seriousness, <laughs> like I I don't even think he's in their starting rotation. I think you've got Ivaldi. I think you've got. Dane yeah. Dunning, I think you've got Andrew Haney. Right. No, uh, well, did John Gray oh, just get hurt? Avaldi is the other one, of course, that that could be a problem. So. Yeah, I, nah. I think. No, nah. that John Gray just got hurt. <laughs> but other than that, like the rotation, like Jordan Montgomery, you know, I'm not that concerned with. Oh, uh, Montgomery, duh. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Montgomery has been phenomenal since he got picked up. He's yeah, had, like sub three ERA and everything. I, I don't know. I, I think that like what gives me more confidence about facing the Rangers is their bullpen. Their bullpen's absolutely imploded over the last month or so. You know, Aroldis Chapman's been objectively terrible. Um, but, so, I, what? Sorry. I mean, that's just a, that's a so right. The bullpen is is terrible. I mean, Chapman's another guy like, you know, it comes to the playoffs and, you know, I'm not necessarily thinking about the track record as much you know like the recent track record you know okay yeah i i mean like but you know the point stands that like their bullpen is extremely thin like i think it's you, you know they just they don't even have much behind him even if jesse wants to say he could be good in the playoffs like i i really i don't i don't know <laughs> i do not want to face the rays in a situation where they have a rested bullpen every single day and uh, you know that's like about as bad as it gets in terms of what you could give to your lineup for them to work with. Like the Rays are, you know, as smart as any team in baseball, they play matchups extremely well. They game plan for hitters extremely well. So yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think the Rangers are the more favorable matchup and I would pick them. It's just Corey Seager terrifies me. And we have mostly right-handed pitchers. So like starting pitchers. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just think like we we played the Rays hard all year. We took the season series from them. Like uh, like run differential was actually there was no run differential. We scored and gave up the same amount to the Rays as you know. So isn't it's not great, kind of but yeah. Um, it's just like we've we've done there. We've been there, done that. They've got a lot of injuries too. I mean, as good as their team is, they've dealt with. They've got a lot of injuries going on. Wander Franco, that situation. He's not on the team. Like they have a lot of flaws that that 14 and 0 start to the year makes their overall record look better than what they have been for the last five months or whatever. I mean, obviously still right. a really good baseball team. They are not a 99 win team, I don't think, in their current state. 
Right. Um, you know, the Rangers obviously have flaws too, but sometimes you get hot at the right time with the offense. It papers over a lot of the bullpen issues. Yeah. And we played the Rangers. I think we we taught, we went three and three against them this year, whereas we won the season series against the Rays. It just feels like that's – we know how to beat them. It's Let's the just play them. Yeah. And, and they know us too, which is dangerous as well. But I just – I like a team we've beaten up on anyway in our home ballpark. Something about that feels good and just feels like poetic justice a little bit too. So <laughs> that's that's I, I'm not rooting necessarily one way or the other. I'm like obviously whoever wins this series is probably gonna look really intimidating regardless. But you know, I gotta kind of reset my mind a little bit and and explain to myself that the Orioles are the number one seed in the AL. Like they are the intimidating right. <laughs> ones. You have to come to Camden Yards or Old Bay Field at Oriole Park at Camden Yards <laughs> by the time the series starts um and beat us um right so yeah i mean both teams have fear going into a series so yeah yeah. we're thinking about it from our perspective you know right i've never played major league baseball so maybe they don't have fear maybe they're just like this is just another day (laughs) at the office i don't know right but yeah yeah, so i think i think i want to face the rays but look whoever whoever it is i'm gonna be psyched about it and scared about it and all the emotions at the same time so yeah i'm I'm really yeah that's that's a really interesting take thanks buddy yeah i I disagree (laughs) but (laughs) i disagree a lot but it's interesting so fair enough I, I just sort of expected agreement on this question, so I'm surprised that we didn't have that. So anyway, fair enough. Um, all right. W- what is the O's biggest weakness, Eli? You you talked earlier. You said that the bullpen is not the biggest weakness. I think you said that specifically. So what do you think is? Yeah. I, yeah. I, well, I, I think you said. That. I don't remember if I used those words, but okay. Uh, I you know actually like. Now that you mention it, I, I might say that it's not. I, I think, uh, you know, what the Orioles have done all year is they have played a brand of baseball where we've, you know, taken the extra base more than anybody in the major leagues. We've been incredible with runners in scoring position. And, you know, that does help our offense play up. You, you know, it is very timely. Um, you know, we are – but. I guess when you get into the postseason, uh, postseason success is often very closely tied to like big home runs and big moments. You, you know, it's like I think that because pitching staffs are more rested, I think that because um, you know there's more pressure on every pitch. I think it is so much about like taking a lead and holding on to it uh, with one big swing. Well, taking it with one big swing, then holding on to it. Um, like, I, you know, and that's why I think the Phillies were so, you know, wildly successful last year. It's like because at any moment, Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper could step up and take control of the game with one swing. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of, I don't know, you look at the Braves the year before, you know, like the Eddie Rosario home runs, the Jorge Soler home runs, like all of these things. Um a lot of times postseason success is tied to like one big hit in a crucial moment. Um, And the Orioles, like, you know, I don't think we're necessarily a bad home home run hitting team, you know, like Gunner's got power. Santander's got power. Mountcastle's got power. 
Um, but, you know, we're also not top of the line. You know, we're yeah. not having a Matt Olson hitting 50, you know, Ronald Acuna hitting 35, 40, or 40. Um, 40, yeah. Yeah, I corrected. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, I, I think that there's something to be said for that. And I think that that is something that scares me. I think we can spray doubles in the gap all day, but you need two doubles. You only need one home run. <laughs> so, you, yeah. you know, I think like home run power is something that we're lacking that most, uh, you, you know, maybe it's like recency bias and such, but I feel like most successful postseason teams have. Um, but that said, you know, like I think our pitching is in, th- this is hilarious. I'm sitting here talking about the Orioles pitching being a strength heading into the postseason. <laughs> I know. And I'm talking about something about their offense being a weakness. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just so antithetical to everything that I've always experienced as an Oriole. But, you know, like, I think Grayson Rodriguez going five innings and then handing it over to the bullpen. I think we're, like, very, very reliably going to hold teams to three runs throughout this postseason. I, like, I, I genuinely feel good. Um, but I, I, I am... Yeah. Worried about the offense's ability to like take control of the game and hand it off to the pitching staff. I I think that's a legit issue. I think that that ties into like sort of a uh not a negative. Well, it is a negative, but like part of having such a youthful team too is that that power is usually like something that kind of comes full fully into its own like 2, 3, 4 years into your career versus like um that first year, which is what a lot of the guys are in right now was, is, you know, Henderson has had a good year, but he's not like a 40 home run guy yet. Uh, you know, Adley, maybe this is kind of what Adley is like a 20 homer kind of guy, but, and, and Anthony Santander's had a nice season, but probably not the guy you want to be like leading the team in home runs. So I think that's a totally valid, uh, valid concern there. Um, Jess, anything you want to talk about with the home runs or maybe your, your weakness for the team? Yeah, I would definitely echo the power. Uh, I I think that is a legitimate concern. Um, I I think the the back end of the bullpen also is worrisome. I mean, I think the whole rotation, like, of course, you know, we could just say the whole team is worrying, especially all the young guys. Um, but the back end of the rotation when we get to Kramer and you know, I think means it's going to be. Um, so we'll, we'll, I do think I do have confidence in Kramer that, uh, he's going to pitch well and means, um, to some extent, but I could also see, um, these, them going out there and, and things going wrong early and that could be sort of a big concern. Um, so I'm worried sort of about that possibility, um, but yeah, I mean, also, like just over the course of the year, we have had stretches where the offense just as a whole has has struggled to function at certain moments um, over the course of a season uh, like that should be expected to happen. Um, but in the playoffs, right, especially with the, the particularly good pitching that these guys are going to be facing, um. I'm sure that these pitchers are going to come up with new plans and really sort of be able to expose, you know, some of the weaknesses in the games of our younger players and stuff like that. So 
um yeah i think i would i think if i were to sort of focus in on a couple things i'd be worried about uh the offense and the back hand, back end of the rotation for the playoffs in particular so okay fair enough i mean i think for me it's it is still going to be the bullpen that i'm a little bit worried about i just i don't love the inability to strike out batters in the playoffs in particular that's that's just problematic for me i the rotation right now is better at piling up strikeouts than the bullpen is, which, you know, that's not normally what you'd expect um, at this point in the season. Uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know who they're going to turn to. I, I deal hall. I like the idea of deal hall in a big situation, but do I love the reality of that? I don't know. I'm going to have to see it a couple times. And then even <laughs> then I might still not believe it. Um, he has shades of, of like that postseason reliever pumping his fist coming off the, mound in a big moment but i could also see him like walking with his head down after giving up a, a home run in the worst possible situation so i think that's what i'm going to stick with it's it's a boring answer but you need a lot of bullpen innings in the postseason and right now we are short of proven bullpen arms so uh we'll see how that pans out um and then I think the final thing we've got here is just, are you concerned about the youth slash inexperience of the team? I kind of just talked about this in relation to power uh, output, but you know, this, this goes into all different elements of the game from just, you know, the moment being too big for you. And um, uh, sorry, I, something popped up on my screen, the moment being too big for you. And uh, you know, just, just, you know, doing something that you've seen before, struggling through those situations, you know, you're you're playing teams that I think, Jesse, you pointed out, have a lot of postseason experience. Uh, the Orioles don't really have a lot of that. And the guys that do have it are not exactly key contributors, you know, unless you want to count Kyle Gibson, Jack Flaherty among them. I don't know, James McCann, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, but Eli, are you worried about the kids uh, being scared in the bright lights of the postseason? Uh- I'm going to give an answer more nuanced than yes or no. Like to me, anytime you have a team this young, like there is reason to feel that. But that said, I think, I think our team and I do like credit Brandon Hyde with this, you know, like Jesse was talking about the way that we have rebounded in certain situations and been able to meet these moments, I think is, something super super special and, and i think you know adley and gunner you, you know adley and gunner are kind of the faces of it all but you know i think those two i think that cedric like i think these guys all kind of set tones and like approach every single day in the exact same way and i think they're like level-headed in a very very good way um and, and so i do I mean, to an extent, like have more more faith than I think I normally would with a young team. Like, I think I trust this team this year more than I would have last year. Um, and I, I think there's like, yeah, just an element of maturity with all of these guys having gone through a full season together, gone through slumps together, um, and kind of, you know, come together as a group, found their little routines um, I think Kyle Gibson has been really good for the pitching staff. I think I mentioned it last pod, but, you know, they all go out together and watch the starting pitcher warm up. They're very, very, like, routine-oriented. And I think that kind of stuff plays up in the playoffs. I think that 
you know, having a very well-defined approach to how you like attack the day um, is important. And, you know, what I can say is that I obviously have no idea what those pregame routines and such are like for the Rays or the Rangers or whoever else we're going to face. You know, I'm sure they like put a lot of emphasis on the same stuff, but, you know, speaking for our team, I think that, yeah, I, I think that we are as well prepared as we can be for a relatively young group of, you know, players. Fair enough. Jesse, how are you feeling about these kids? Yeah, so, I mean, I think my main thing is it's it's more about um, the fact that we are so reliant upon the, It's not the fact that we have some kids on the team. It's that our best yeah. players, for the, the most stars, part, yeah. are the kids, right? That's really the big concern because, like, for instance, let's just say that Gunner and Adley don't really hit in the playoffs or, you know, they don't produce in the playoffs, right? We're not going to win the World Series, right? Like, that's right. about it, you know? So it's not like our our seven or our eight hitter is a kid and, you know, but but the bulk of our power, the three, four, five are, you know, the, the well-established, you know, seasoned stars, um, that have had multiple journeys and adventures in the playoffs and are more or less used to it, you know? So, um, I think that's really the difference is that, right. If any one of our kids, uh, on this team that we're so reliant upon, uh, if they start to show cracks and then we're really in a lot of trouble. So that's, that's the most concerning thing for me is just that, we're so reliant upon them and we have been reliant upon them the entire year. That's more the problem for me than just the fact that, you know, we have a few kids on the team. Right. Um, so that's the concern. And even some of the, the older guys um, that we do have, haven't been in the playoffs. Santander has not been in the playoffs. Uh, uh, Austin Hayes, Ryan Mountcastle, um, you know, these guys, even though they've been in, you know, the league for varying numbers of years, um, Mullins, right? Like, even though these guys have been in the league for um, some time, they haven't made the postseason, right? So it is it is a different situation. Although Mullins does have the WBC experience and, you know, so there's a little bit, but um, yeah, but overall, you know, yeah, it's 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 very insignificant adam frazier and uh <laughs> right <nobody else. laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> kyle gibson right like yeah. you said yeah yeah i mean i think it's definitely a concern i think there's something to be said about learned experiences and you know figuring out how to win in the postseason because as we've kind of been talking about this whole episode or a lot of it it's a different game in october than it is in september the, the leashes are shorter on the pitchers the and therefore the pitchers are fresher to face some of these hitters and the crowds are bigger and the, the lights are brighter and the games are longer. And it's just, it's a lot different stuff. And I think that also could potentially inform some of the off season moves we see, you know, I know Mike Elias was with the Astros when they added Carlos Beltran to that team. Now we know Carlos Beltran was involved in some of the cheating that went on with the trash cans, but you know, that's, I guess those, the veteran savviness that helped them <laughs> win a world series. But um yeah, I mean, I think it's a legitimate concern. Uh, I I think it's part of the reason the Orioles probably aren't viewed as the favorite 
to win the World Series, you know, despite winning 101 games in the AL, you know, it's it's tough. It's tough in the postseason. So, yeah, I think it's legitimate and they need until you they prove otherwise, there are worries and concerns that they can't quite meet the moment. So hopefully it's not true. Hopefully talent shines through because I think pound for pound in the talent department, the Orioles are up there with anybody. But, uh, yeah, there's plenty of reason to be concerned for sure. Um. I don't know if we want to do predictions because we don't really know who we're playing yet. I don't know if we want to try to maybe just handle that on our Twitter account. We can maybe feed the predictions to Eli and he'll post them there. Um, that'll give you guys a reason to follow us over on Twitter slash X at the warehouse pod. And uh, we'll make sure we get our predictions up once we know who the Orioles are playing, because as of the recording, the, the wild card round hasn't even started yet. And we have another four or five days before the Orioles play a game. So but, we got yeah. some time. It's Orioles in three. I don't care who we play. Okay. <laughs> we're going to go into their house and we're going to take it the title one there. <laughs> I like that. It's not know. even a title. It's the division <laughs> series, but. Still, you, they pop champagne for that. That still counts. That's true. They do. Well, you could say O's in two. I mean, why O's in three? No, you can't. It's the best of five in the division. Yes. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the wild the, card is best Only of the first the round. Is right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And sorry, they did change the format recently. Although division series have been best of five for, I think as long as it's been around. Yeah, but yeah still, definitely. Forever. Yeah, for know, sure. It's okay. <laughs> um. So so yeah, I do just want to like mention a couple quick things. Like so, you know, of course, I think it is worth celebration. The Yankees and Red Sox aren't in the playoffs, and yeah, go ahead. I gotta do one better. This is the first time in thirty years that the Yankees. Go ahead, go ahead. Am I scared what you're no, gonna say? Go you ahead. Upset. It's fine. I, I was gonna add the Cardinals onto it, but go ahead. Perfect. Say your stats. Say your stats. First time in 30 years that the Yankees, Red Sox, and Cardinals <laughs> were not in it. I'm sorry, Jess. Yeah. I, 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 I saw I, I gotta tell them I, I saw this look of absolute devastation come over I, Jesse's face I, as I, I said 30 years. <laughs> anyway, because I knew where you were going with it. Right. That, well, and, I, and I'll say to be fair, Jesse, you interrupt us a lot of the time when we're true, talking about true. something yeah, and yeah, preempt absolutely. us. So it's only <laughs> so fair. I, I deserved it is what yeah, absolutely. yeah right. Okay. So uh but what I would uh the thing I would say is of course I despise the Yankees and Red Sox. Um <laughs> and I, I normally I wouldn't have uh, much natural hatred for the Cardinals other than the fact that they've just been so good for so long. They do their jobs so well that um, I'm glad they're not in it. Um, the other thing I just wanted to point out was that Buck Showalter and the Mets mm. are parting ways, Yeah, um, which we don't know, but could mean the end of Showalter's career. I hope he finds another job because I think he was planning to but um, I, I think he could find another job if he wanted to, but he is getting up there. So yeah. it might be the end for him. Or, yeah. So I think, I think he's 67. He looks older than oh, he okay. is. But mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And then the last thing, you know, got to make a Tigers comment just because, mm. of course, when the, the Tigers weren't good for, I'm sorry, when the Orioles were bad for all those years growing up, you know, the Tigers were sort of, and turned out to be my playoff team. And Miguel Cabrera just played his last game uh, yesterday on Sunday. Um, and he was such an incredible... I mean, this this is like a... I mean, just like when Albert Pujols, you know, left um, 
you know, this is sort of that magnitude. Um, this is why I feel like even on this podcast, like it needs to be mentioned uh, because there are things that are just so big that they sort of transcend the Orioles. But yeah, I mean, granted, I haven't paid much, at the, you know, since the Tigers have been bad and since Miguel Cabrera in the past few years has not been very good. Um, <laughs> you know, I haven't paid attention too much to Miguel Cabrera and the Tigers uh, in the past few years. But with that said, I absolutely loved watching him play, in particular, watching him hit. You know, I love the power, but I love the opposite field power. Like, he was an amazing hitter. Like, he was not a David Ortiz hitter that would just, you know, was really strong and could pull the ball. And obviously, Ortiz has some hitting say, skills. I think you're simplifying David Ortiz a lot. I know, I know. But he he was like a dead pull hitter, you know, and... uh uh Miguel Cabrera was not like that you know so um just you know the plate just just every single facet of his hitting uh I absolutely loved and um yeah he's just a legend and uh was incredible it was you know sad for me the Tigers never won a world series during all those years they came very close many times um although he did win one with the Marlins at the very beginning of his career um but Overall, I just had to point that out because the Tigers did a great celebration for him and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is really, I think, a massive uh, demonstrates, obviously, the the change in era that's happening now. But it's a uh, it's a sad it's it's a it's a sad it was a sad moment for me to to see that all unfold and yeah, it's unfortunate. So. But he's, but he's going out on his terms, so that's that's a nice thing. He didn't get injured or something like that. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah. Two super quick things. He's one of three players in MLB history to have a 300 at batting average, 500 home runs, and 3,000 hits, joining Hank Aaron and Willie Mays. And the second thing is like to pile on to just you know like how monumental he is. You know, seeing Adam Wainwright, who's been one of the best pitchers for the last 15, 20 years, and Zach Greinke. Uh, like Wainwright is definitely his last game. I could definitely see Grinky coming back, but you know he walked off of the Royals mound um, and got a celebration. And then even like Brandon Crawford, you know they think he might be. You know he's definitely done with the Giants. He might be done. Period. Joey um, Votto. I hope not. I love Joey yeah. Votto, but they've talked about him maybe being done. Too. Right. He got I, thrown I mean, out of his final game. <laughs> did he miss it? <laughs> he, got, he got ejected from the uh, dugout for arguing balls and strikes. It was a, he was actually right too. It was a. He, I think it was I a, that. it was a strike. There was a ball that was called a strike. Joey Votto knows the strike zone. He does. So, um, yeah, but I, I mean, it feels like this year more so than others. It feels like there's more like large scale talents leaving the game. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, back in the days when Grenke was throwing ninety nine, you know, it was like uh, Brandon Crawford was Gold Glover and the shortstop of I think all three of the. Giants World Series teams, so. maybe yeah. only the last two, something like that. But you, you, you know, like hey, they had Edgar Renteria, yeah. right? Mm. So I, I don't know, but very, very legitimate talents. Um, and you know, Wayno was a stud too, Uncle Charlie. Uh, so you, you tip your cap and like you know, be thankful that we do have a Gunnar Henderson and a Jackson holiday and like in Birdland, we've got so much to be looking forward to here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it goes fast too. I, I mean, you know, 
it's we are all three of us like full-fledged adults now and some of these players were stars when we were kids and i think that yeah is part of it too so you know i've got two <laughs> sons they're too little to like care about baseball yet that's probably like another five years down the road but that does start to creep in my brain now too like you know this is how my parents felt well i don't know if they felt the same way but you know this is was my parents when these guys were stars and it's just the it's a totally different world you know 25 years later not these guys these guys didn't play 25 years but you know what i'm saying it's uh, yeah. a lot changes a lot changes Definitely. for sure but all right well that was our not regular season review even though we talked about some regular season stuff it was our postseason preview uh once we know the playoff matchups we will tweet out our predictions there and then during the postseason, we are going to try to do quick recaps of every game. It's not going to be all three of us. It'll probably be just one of us, maybe two of us on occasion. Um, but we'll try to just do quick recaps of each game. And then we will do a proper series review uh, at the end of the ALDS. Regardless of the outcome, hopefully it's a positive one. And that that will turn into an ALCS preview. But uh, if not, you know, well, we won't talk about it if not. That's what it's going to be. Um, you know, I don't think we're allowed to mix previews and reviews. That's what I've been told. Yeah, today. that's true. So. We'll just have to put out two separate episodes <laughs> back to back. Um, these are Jesse's podcast rules. <laughs> I kind of don't like mixing a preview and a review. You know? well, I got to say. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I think in that situation, we may have to do it because we'll have like literally a day to turn it around. And we're not the best at getting episodes out as it is so i will say i feel like we went so long so if we had tacked on to all of this episode you know the whole you know review of the anyway yeah the, if yes. we tacked on a whole review it would have been a lot so yes it would have yeah. you're right we will do that in november as we said yeah right <laughs> deal well to make sure you you get all of that information uh you should subscribe to the podcast uh on apple Podcasts, spotify Wherever you get your podcast, we're the Warehouse Podcast. Check us out there and follow us on Twitter at the Warehouse Pod. And also email us, thewarehousepod at gmail.com. If we said anything that didn't make sense or was wrong, we're happy to correct it if we get your email. Um, but yeah, that's it. Hopefully, we're talking about a lot of good Orioles baseball in the next couple of weeks. We're excited about it. First postseason uh baseball in Baltimore since 2016. Uh, I I had the 2016 lineup up earlier i was gonna ask you guys a quiz question about it but now i don't have it so forget about it <laughs> <laughs> that um, is the high note to end an episode <laughs> wait, let, let me look it up real quick let me just look up the line up real quick don't okay. you guys don't get to look it up i won't uh, i see sorry. jesse typing jesse just moved his right hand i'm not <laughs> oh my god he's cheating i didn't actually think you were i know i know <laughs> oh god you're just yeah, you're just being a little brother. This, this is just filler away. right now, so that Tyler has time to yeah, right, I do his little thing over there. Thank you guys. I don't. I was just gonna look at the lineup and see if there was like a player that. Oh, this is a good one. On that 2016 team in that AL wild card game, do you know who started in right field for the Orioles? So you got to think outside the box. It's not gonna be an obvious name. I'll say that. Right field, 2016 Orioles. Yeah, I mean, so this was after the Nate McLeod era. Yeah, was that was like the 2012. Then. Right. Yeah. Um, so, 
wasn't Rymold or something. Yeah. No. Rymold Rymold was on the team. That's where my head went too. He was on the team. That is a good guess. Because that was his like comeback. He was gone and wait. Oh, um. Does his last? Oh, does his last name have like three words? No, I know like, who you're. I think I know who you're thinking of. Who played for the White Sox? Are you thinking of Alejandro Diazza? Yeah, yeah, ex- that's yeah. not him. He was not on the him. 2014 team, I think. Okay. Lead off became our lead off hitter. Right. Uh, <laughs> this it's such. I mean, it's a name. Yeah. You'll know, okay. But it's so ridiculous. Right. I don't okay. know, Eli. Any any guesses, Eli? It's it's embarrassing. Tyler. No, no, no. No, it's definitely not embarrassing. Oh, it's not Ryan Flaherty. I don't know. I'm trying to like come up being with thrown random... out there. Yeah, yeah. It's, come up with random it's yeah, one of those just, guys just... that like you don't think of as an Oriole, but he was on that 2016 team. Okay, hold on. I, I'm I'm gonna text my out of nowhere thing to Jesse. Okay. Just as verification. Yeah. You're just embarrassed to say it on air. Okay. <laughs> no, I just I want. Okay. Like I'm not confident enough to say it on air, but right. after okay. Tyler says it, if I'm yeah, right, I sounds it. good. I don't think you will be, but that's cool. yeah. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I okay. Hey. So uh, the starting right fielder for the Orioles in the 2016 AL Wild Card game was Michael Bourne. Wow. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I'm glad I didn't. The... I'm glad I didn't spend 30 more minutes trying to figure that well, out. Well, no, we. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, have let yeah, you go right. 30 minutes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah, that lineup that day was Adam Jones in center, Hyunsu Kim in left field, who got pinch hit for by Nolan Reimold in the game, mm. Manny Machado at third, Mark Trumbo DHing, Matt Weeders behind the plate, Chris Davis at first base, Jonathan Scope at second, Michael Bourne in right field, and JJ Hardy at shortstop. Pretty cool. A name full of, or a lineup full of rem- memorable names, and then Michael Bourne in there. Yeah. Because you just have yeah. to have no, I, I, that. That was definitely not my guess. No. So you don't want to share your guess. <laughs> you know, I, I don't even like remember <laughs> if he was an outfielder at this point. Okay. I, I okay. don't think he was on that team. Just so Yeah, I, I don't think he was on the team either. I'm yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna swallow that one. Okay. okay. He, he was with us in twenty fifteen. I, I was pulling Henry Arudia out of my uh, I that's not a bad guess, I don't think. He was with us the year before, it looks like. And, I was thinking somebody know. might say like Lou Ford. That was a whole thing in like I think 2012. Mm. Lou Ford was back after not that's playing not in the league for like five years. Wild stuff. All right, <laughs> well, that's all we may, got. May, maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe over these next few days before the O's get going, I'm gonna like sort of you know relive our recent postseason experience. You know, like okay, yeah, maybe you know go watch some recaps. You know, see when we beat the Rangers and the wild card game and. You know, lost to the Royals and Ugh, don't go that. through the ups and downs. You know, so you I, watch the Rangers game and you watch uh, the the Tigers series. That's what you watch, and that's it. Right. Yeah, I think I'm gonna not watch us not put Zach Britton in. Yeah, well, that's, that's not something I want to see. Yeah, I know, yeah. but I'm just, not not like, now. Jesse's saying relive yeah, anything. I see, like, I see, I see. Yeah, maybe only the positives you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> keep. Keep the vibes I'm gonna watch positive. the 1983 World Series. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's where I'm living. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. That's all we got. We we delayed the the outro here a little bit, but yeah, that's yeah. it. Subscribe to us everywhere. Follow us everywhere. Uh, until <laughs> next time. This has been the Warehouse <laughs> Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eli. Thanks for listening. <laughs>